Hello and welcome to Quadrivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of the people who craft it. I'm Jeff with RMT Trivia in Chicago. I'm Calvin with Footnote Trivia in San Francisco. I'm Jeff C. from Jeff's Trivia in Oakland, California. And I am Corey with Third Degree Entertainment in Spokane. Uh, and welcome to today's episode. I don't know if you noticed, but right before I spoke, we had a new guest introduce himself. Jeff, Jeff C., the other Jeff, Jeff 2.0, Jeff new and improved. Wait, no, hold on. Well, now, hold on a second. I I, yeah. I like the Jeff B. and Jeff C. angle rather than Jeff new and improved because that uh, implies that there's something wrong with my formula, and I feel that both of the, both of Jeff's is better than just one and then a, a probably better version. That's just me, though. But that was what I'm... We'll let the listeners yeah, well, decide. That, that was that what either. I meant to imply. <laughs> that, because I like you better than I like me. That was what I, I like meant me. to imply, yeah. <laughs> we'll just have to find a Jeff A, and then you guys can... Oh, there we go. Yeah. But Jeff, other Jeff, the Jeff that's not me, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your company? Uh, so I've been uh, hosting for the last uh, three years now in the Bay Area, and then after this coronavirus struck, um, I've been hosting on Twitch for about the last 16, 17 weeks now, and uh, trying to evolve my trivia throughout the throughout that whole time. And I think I've improved throughout and uh, writing my best stuff now. Will you be using this best stuff uh, when you go back to to live? I mean, we'll probably have a whole another a whole another discussion about this another time, but. Uh... Yeah, what are y'all doing with your your Twitch questions? Are you reusing old stuff or are you writing new stuff for Twitch? Will you reuse this when you go live? What's uh what's everyone planning on? I've been doing a mixture. I've been uh kind of padding. Uh I've been padding my overall set list with a few extra questions from the the long long ago. Uh, just because my Twitch format varies a little bit from my live format, so I have to double the number of questions that I ask a week. Uh, so I generally write, I don't know, about 80% of the material each week and then fill in holes here and there with uh, questions from earlier in my career that I rewrite so that they're not stupid anymore. For me, I've been, uh, I haven't been repeating anything. I've been coming up with new stuff every time. And on Twitch, I feel like my questions are longer now that I'm using PowerPoint slides. So I've, I include more facts or hints or details or clues inside the question itself. And uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do when I go back to live. I, I like the questions more, uh, but it helps when people can read them while they're playing rather than just hearing me voice them over the over the microphone because I don't have TVs at my venue. Yeah, that definitely makes it tougher when you because that allows you, like you said, to add more hints and stuff. But I do the same thing. And if I were to just read those questions... Uh, it's a lot of reading, and you have to keep rereading it instead of letting them read it on the screens. And so uh, when you have those longer style questions, they really do lend themselves to visual presentations. So that'll be interesting to see what you do going back to live, whether you have to try and condense those things into shorter questions or whether you stick with your format and just work with it. You know where I have a lot of trouble when I'm not uh, at a venue that has screens or when I'm not hosting on Twitch? What is that? I have a lot of I have a lot of trouble with theme rounds. 
that is the ec- most excellent of segues into today's main topic. <laughs> I'm glad you just picked it up and said that because I don't know <laughs> how I have more trouble with them. I don't don't know where I was going with that, but it seemed like as good a time as any to transition. So, well, uh, spoiler alert: we're talking about theme rounds. Yeah. So, Calvin, why don't you go ahead and give us what your definition of a theme round is, and we'll go from there. Sure. To kind of limit the types of themes we're talking about, because the word theme means so many different things in trivia, we're specifically hoping to talk about theme rounds where the answers all have something in common, but the questions do not have anything in common. So the questions are generally still a mixed bag, but the answers either kind of subtly hidden in the answer or a little more overtly are, they all have something in common. So these are, these are games that are a part of our regular trivias and it kind of challenges the audience to kind of think about what the, various answers and multiple questions might have to do with each other. Uh, So Calvin, when we have, uh, I've personally got two different round styles that I uh, write a a hidden theme for two different round styles where the questions are different. The answers have something in common one for me. And I I think I am the opposite of everybody else here, Uh, but I've got common bond. And I've got mystery theme. And for me, a common bond, question number 10, the final question is asking them, hey, what do the answers have in common? And a mystery theme, they just need to figure it out for themselves. Uh, It's not going to be a question. They're not going to get a point for knowing it. But if they do figure it out, then it just helps them uh, figuring out other answers. Does that kind of line up with how... Uh, everyone else does it, or am I way off on the side here? Um, so I always, re- I always offer a bonus point or a point for figuring out the theme, because even if they figure out the theme, they might still miss answers, or it might not give them the answer they d- they still don't know. But they want to be rewarded for figuring it out anyway. So I I, I always re- reward them for getting answers or figuring it out. And what I like about these theme rounds is that we all kind of do it differently. I take the opposite approach, where is I don't reward any points for getting any of the answers correct. And I have the kind of opposite mentality where you're not penalized for not knowing a question, where you stand to gain your points solely based on one answer, maybe two answers, but getting all the answers certainly gets you closer. So I do like how this is something that we all do just a little bit differently and we all fit into our games a little bit differently. No, I just realized too, I I have one other uh, differentiating factor between the two. That being that with a mystery theme, I will allow any answer that is correct. Anything that correctly answers the question. Whereas with a common bond, I will only accept an answer that fits with the common bond. So, I mean, if, if the answer is something that has multiple names, I can't, I can't think of something off the top of my head. Um, Oh, I Okay. So like if your, if your mystery theme was like 
uh, uh, what was I going to say? Like um, NFL team names. And uh, they said Mountain Lion instead of Jaguars or Panthers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So in mystery theme, I would allow, you know, Mountain Lion if that's yeah. uh, technically a correct answer. Whereas in Common Bond, I would only allow the one that specifically matches the common bond that they're building towards. And I'll tell them in the beginning, I'll say some of these questions might have more than one technically correct answer, but you're only getting a point for the one that fits the bond. Oh, so for me, I try and pin my questions down to where there's only one answer. But if there is something like that, where there's two or three acceptable answers for the same term, I'll give them credit anyway, but I just tell them it, it might not help you with a theme, but you get the point for getting the question right but it might not help you with a theme if you don't have it how i was how i phrased the question or what word i was specifically looking for but i try and pin it down to where that answer that fits the theme is how i phrased the question and and if it, it would get it would lead you to that word yeah I, I i know we're not specifically talking about music themes but when i do hidden themes of music where I'll play five songs and then there's a hidden theme, hidden like wordplay with all the answers. It, it, even if you only get the artist of the song and part of the title, I'll give you the correct because you identified the song as per my normal identification rules, but that won't help you get towards the theme. So I, I kind of sit, it, that's the only one where I sit in the middle of it because I'm, I'm, I do the same thing as the other Jeff, where I try to write for my hidden themes I try to write them where there's only one correct answer so that that way there isn't a situation where you can get something wrong and still have it be right. Or no, I said that backwards, where you can get something right and it would be wrong for the theme. Yeah, so the way I, I do my rounds is I ask 10 questions, 10 general knowledge questions, and then the 11th question is always what was the connection or what was the theme between the previous 10 answers. Um, so I, I give them 10 questions and then the answer, I always give a point for that theme. Um, and then I also do themes on picture rounds and music rounds like, uh, Jeff was just talking about. Um, but they, they work slightly differently than, than the mystery theme rounds with 10 general knowledge questions and answers. Now, are each of your rounds always a hidden theme? Uh, like when you, or is it, is it just something you do like once a game? Oh, every single week round two is a mystery theme round with, uh, number 11 being the connection. And then the picture round has a theme, but it's in the pictures. You can see them. And then uh, the music round is the same as a mystery theme round where you have to find the connection between the answers. It could be in the song title or artist, but every single week I always do the same, the theme or the mystery theme or common bond connection or whatever phrase you want to use for these types of yeah. rounds. Now, when, you, um, when you're researching your hidden theme rounds, your round two each week, um, what are your go-to resources like how do you approach those themes do you start with do you start with the answers you want to use and and go from there or do you start with an idea first i guess those are the same exact thing <laughs> but what's your what's your approach where do you where do you go where's your go-to for me uh i i always start with the idea of the theme and then from there i go to brainstorming 15 to 20 words that fit that theme and then what I'll do is I'll come up with phrases for those words um, that 
that I can use as an answer. And then I write a question with that phrase as the answer. Because I don't want to ask just, sometimes I do throw them in there, but I try not to ask one-worded answers because then they know what the keyword is and they can zone in on that one. Uh, but for the most part, I try and ask two or three-word answers, phrases or um, locations or whatever it is so that it doesn't give away what the keyword is in that theme. Oh, that that's interesting because I do the opposite. Where I well, I shouldn't say the opposite. I try to write at least one uh, in each theme round, at least one where the answer is one word, for them to have a base to start on. And say, okay, that one has one word. It cannot connect to anything else in the sentence. We know that that's our clue in this answer. So as long as they get that answer, that is their stepping stone to trying to connect all the other ones. So I purposefully do the opposite of that just to give them a head start. Yeah, and and I do occasionally some answers can only be one word and and I do that occasionally, but if I do that, I make it the ninth or 10th question in the round so that they have to work their way and figure that out the theme and it, and the last questions are the easiest for the theme. That way they can then work backwards once they get there, but I don't want them figuring out the theme in the first question or two. I I want them to ha- actually have to think about it and make it tough to figure out that theme at the start. And then at the end, when you have more answers, then it might come into view for you and you can go back and fill in some answers that you might not have had. For me, the important thing that I did isn't necessarily whether it's one word or multiple words. The feedback I've gotten from some of my players is the, for the lack of a better phrase, the importance or the like uniqueness of the word. I think definitely having different questions where like there's a unique looking word and that might be the most important one. And then if you want to kind of hide a more general word in a longer title and really just mixing up the levels of like which words people will clue in on. So some of the questions make it easy to clue into a particular word by making, you know, throwing something really unique in there. And then for other ones, make it harder to clue in. And then people can use that to figure things out. Do you ever intentionally throw some red herrings into the mix? Ooh, it's a lot harder than it sounds. <laughs> it is, yeah, absolutely. Like just misleading people in a theme round. So I guess uh, keeping in mind, and we all know this, I'm just reiterating it for our audience, but in order to write an ans- a question for a theme round, not only does your answer have to be a thing in the theme round, it has to also be at least one other thing that's not the thing. So for example, if your theme were uh, baseball teams, well, if you're gonna write a question about like the Phillies, a Philly has to be something else. It could be a young horse, it could be whatever, but you can quickly get stuck with, oh, this is a great word for a theme, but then you quickly realize there's no other word in which you could possibly use it as an answer or phrase. I did, um, I did one red herring one that I can think of off the top of my head where the important answer was the fifth. It was five songs. And I know we weren't talking about music ones, but uh, I used the colors blue, orange. So it was like blue Monday, orange crush, something by the red hot chili peppers and purple rain. And those four in a row, uh, you know, if you're, if you're marking your answers down around, okay, colors. But then the fifth song was a song by the turtles. And the theme was the teenage mutant Ninja turtles. Cause they used the four colors of their bandanas even though in the comics they were all red, but whatever. Uh, and then the last answer was turtles. And so it was kind of, if you didn't remember 
uh, the classic songs by the Turtles, uh, then that would maybe throw you off, and you might guess colors for the theme. Um, but I didn't. I didn't like the way that felt when I did that because I did it. I did it specifically to mess with people, and uh, there's a lot of people that didn't remember who sang "Happy Together," and they guessed colors and they lost points on the theme because I was messing around with red herrings and I thought I was being funny. But um, I try to avoid them when I'm doing my regular mystery themes now. I used to do a lot of things that were bad ideas when I first started. Uh, but I've moved away from from purposefully trying to throw people in the wrong direction right off the bat. I forgot that y'all are a lot nicer than I am. <laughs> that's See, that's exactly I... why I try to mislead them. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't spend any more time trying to come up with uh, alternative red herrings, but if, it, if I see something like colors showing up in a couple questions, I'll make it my first two or three question answers. And then as the round goes on, they, they start realizing, well, it can't be colors. Sometimes I'll notice that themes do like a lot of the answers are, for example, like we were talking about colors, even though it's not complete in that case, if you want, for me, it's a question of, do I still want to use the theme? Even though I know people might guess colors. And if I still choose to use the theme, my kind of internal rule to myself is there has to be a a combo breaker style question that's <laughs> extremely obvious that it's not a color, right? So it's everyone is 99.9% sure that there is no color in this answer and they know it's the correct answer. Do they still want to guess color knowing that fact? So yeah, I'm with Jeff. I don't intentionally mislead people, but I do not want people to go down the wrong path. And you briefly mentioned it there, Calvin. Uh, you you try and stick to sets of things for a theme, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe we can transition into our types of themes, the one that Corey alluded to at the really beginning, uh, what he called the difference between a common bond and a mystery theme. I personally prefer a common bond I like things in a set. I think it's really tidy. I think new players understand it very well. And it's generalized enough so that people know what they're looking for. I also find it easier to write. And I also find it slightly less tricky. Uh, Corey, do you, do, you, do you have a preference between your common bond or your mystery theme? Do you find one easier to write? One that goes over better? Um, I don't know about the, the latter two. Questions. I, I don't know if one's easier to write or uh, if it goes over better, but I definitely prefer the common bond. Um, I like requiring a very specific answer and trying to lead them to that answer. I know that it probably is a little bit more difficult for the players, but I don't, you kind of get like that that uh, satisfaction when you watch them realize it or you get that uh, really kind of sadistic satisfaction when they all groan at the end, when you reveal it, <laughs> but it, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I personally prefer the common bond. And both Jeff's, you both mentioned that you have 10 questions in your rounds. I only have five questions. So it's a lot easier for, or five or six questions. So it's a lot easier for me to write 
common bonds where there's only five or six things in a set. The 10 limitation probably forces you to branch off into different uh, different types. That's, that's for sure. Uh, in my, <clears throat> I should say, in my recent Twitch games, all my rounds are 10 questions. Uh, but in my uh, IRL games, they're five round or five question rounds. So <clears throat> I'm even one less than you. I would do question one, question two, question three, question four, question five would be what's the theme of the previous four. Um, or sometimes I'll do uh, the first 10 questions of the game are a theme. And then question the, the fifth question of the second round, I'd say the previous nine answers that you've given me over the last two rounds all fit into this theme. So I have a little bit of flexibility to move back and forth between five or 10 question themes. But the 10 question themes do present a different challenge because you have to come up with twice as many clues. Um, so you do have to approach them slightly differently. Like, for example, I wrote around, <clears throat> excuse me, I wrote around where uh, the answers were uh, Python, Ruby, uh, Java, as in like the <laughs> island, you know, so they're all coding languages. Uh, and so there's a bunch of really easy ones that are fittable into different questions. Uh, but then you start getting to ones that are obviously coding languages after that, <laughs> or, you know, C++ isn't an extra, you know, that's not an easy one to yeah. write a question about. So uh, for things like that, you know, it's definitely easier to write shorter rounds. Um, but every now and then I'll flip back and forth between between five and ten, depending on if I have something that'll allow me to do it. I don't know how Jeff does that every week. You're a goddamn monster, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stick to ten, and I don't differentiate between what you're calling a, a common bond versus a mystery theme. Um, I try and just come up with a connection or a type of something and if they all fall in that connection or type of something then the answers themselves can be any words in that in that genre or category but i i guess the difference there's there are differences between a type of something like like they're all hotels in las vegas versus um a phrase like ball and they're all words that follow or pre uh, precede or follow ball like fireball, beach ball, bouncy dragon ball, ball. yeah, dragon ball, whatever, <laughs> whatever that. So th those are phrases, and then something like your guys are calling a common bond with with our, which are all um, Disney Pixar characters, or or Vegas hotels, or I don't know what whatever they whatever they are. But but you're you're talking about a finite set that things that only come in a set of five or six or they're all in the same set and you're just limiting them to well, five or six of them for th for things in a set the set could be bigger than five or six uh but generally when you're trying to write the round you want to use like um if like if you're using nfl team names you want to avoid doing an entire round where all the answers are the animal team names because then technically animals could be a theme so you want to throw in like jets or patriots, or something that's not an animal, right? And Calvin, do you do do you limit your do you do ones that are that that's the entire set of five? I try really hard to have small sets. They don't always map nicely to five or six. But for example, I've been doing this for three years. I've still never done sports teams <laughs> as a hidden <laughs> theme. 
it's a personal, it's just my personal challenge to avoid it. So I, I like sticking with low, low numbers of things in the set. So something where it's, yeah, I try to, though that doesn't always happen. So uh, going back to what Jeff C. was saying, um, in regards to not like, requiring the very specific answer, taking anything that's correct, uh, I did a common bond round just last week that I hosted in my live venues. And spoiler alert, sorry that I'm not going to just work you up into it, but uh, all of the answers, uh, groups of two or three answers together would form a popular movie quote. So like the first two answers were Roundup and The Usual Suspects. Um, And then the next three after that were E.T. and Phone and Home. And uh, question three, the one whose answer was E.T., the the question was Katy Perry's first hit off her fourth album, or whatever the hell it was, uh, was about falling in love with someone far, far away. And a lot of people put extraterrestrial. But extraterrestrial phone home is not a movie quote. And so I marked... All of those people wrong. I did not give it to them. Uh, That's rough. That's rough. (laughs) But I mean, I tell them. I tell them beforehand. I say, if it does not fit, it does not get the point. (laughs) And that's why. You know, because it... it, Technically correct answers are just going to fuck them up down the road. And I'm an asshole. Like, I I don't have to explain myself. (laughs) That's my shtick. (laughs) And you do 10 questions at a time, right? Like, so you yeah. read all 10 and then they give their answers for all 10, correct? Or you do one yeah. and one? No, uh, oh, 10, 10 and 10. So, man, that doesn't even give them a chance to know that that was technically incorrect for the theme. That's oof, that's brutal, man. Mm, they got to <laughs> figure it out one way or another. And actually, Jeff, that's a good question for you guys, too. Do you guys ask all of your questions and then expect all the answers at the same time or at the end? Yeah. So I ask all 10 and then they turn them in at the end of the round. So they have the entire round to work on that theme. And once they figure out the theme, they can go back to previous answers and, and change them or fill them in before turning them in to me. I I don't like having them turn in answers right away because then they see, or if you're revealing what the answer is, they might figure out the theme just because you're revealing the answers. Yeah. I actually, uh, my in real life and Twitch stream, I do one question, one answer. So I have to use kind of kid gloves when I'm working with theme rounds because of that, because after that question is up, I tell everybody what the right answer is. So generally, when I'm doing a hidden theme, I'm sorry, I got fucking shit in my throat. Uh, Generally, when I'm doing a hidden theme, uh, it comes as a surprise. I don't I don't use it in any specific place or anything like that. Uh, So. For example, in my live game, sometimes it'll be the very first round. Sometimes it'll be the absolutely last round. You never know when a hidden theme is going to happen. And then the fifth question of the round is, pop quiz, do you remember what the last four answers are? And figure out what the theme is. And one of the reasons that I do it that way is just because that's how my format is. And I can't really switch up my format 
without giving away that it's a theme round. Uh, and the second is, is that that allows teams that are not hardcore players a little bit of an advantage on rounds like that. So they don't feel absolutely too left out. Uh, I also make it a, I also make it a habit to not repeat the, the last four answers. You know what I mean? Like you got to be paying attention. <laughs> like if you're paying attention, congratulations. Even if you didn't get those last four, right, you might be able to get the theme. Um, but that's all, that's all due to my format. Like the format being the, uh, the genesis of, of why, uh, why I do it the way that I do. I'm also in that one question, one answer format. And that is a slight technological limitation with the way I host my virtual games. But my way around that is to, like I alluded to earlier in the show, I just don't even ask you for your answers. <laughs> so I make it nice and easy. I ask all my five or six questions. And then the only thing I want is your answer. So I took the lazy way in <laughs> circumventing that technology. But you give barrier. them you give them extra points for figuring out the theme. It's not just one point. Correct. So it's my it's my last question of the night. In my live games, it was worth about 15 to 20% of your total number of points. For virtual events, it just is an arbitrary big number. So it's the kind of uh it's it's worth more points. It's definitely something that I would reward you f as if I asked you five or six questions, but I don't actually need all the answers. And one kind of s short story that I really liked about that one is I remember one time there was a team that wasn't doing very well and they get to the final question and they're, they decided to leave early. I was like, hey, as they were leaving, do you have any ideas what the hidden theme is? And they're like, oh, we think it's this. I'm like, wow, you got it right. How many did you get correct? He's like, oh, just the first question. So there's this team that figured it out with just one of the five answers. And I was like, whoa, that's a great guess. So I like the possibility of that happening. And I like that kind of like long shot possibility for an answer. Okay, so <clears throat> when you guys are putting together your theme rounds, you have your idea for the theme. Um, how do you flush out your list of answers? Um, what's your approach to, I mean, besides some of them are easy because you have a, like a list of X things, but how do you match those? Like uh, other Jeff said, like you try to stick that into a phrase. What's your, what's your process in doing that? Do you have any websites or... Um, yeah. tools that you use to do that or is it all just wikipedia searches um so actually i use a, a website called rhyme zone and uh, you can type any word into rhyme zone and it'll give you a list of phrases with that word included in it and then i come up with and it, and it even lists the wikipedia pages for it and then um try and come up with an a question that has that as the answer I am so glad you said that because that is also my go-to. It is a lifesaver. <laughs> it is yeah. such a wonderful website. Yeah, I used to use uh, J Archive, but uh, the search on that thing is horrendous. So uh, <laughs> it, that would be nice. The J Archive was nice for finding words and phrases that fit, and then I would go out to Wikipedia or wherever and try and come up with answers. But RhymeZone does a nice job of putting it all, all in one place and making it you could put whatever word you want in there and it'll give you all the phrases with that word. And then I try and find the, 
the most, uh, I don't know, obscure or hidden version of that phrase. So I don't want, I don't want it to be obvious or like uh, Calvin said, unique words. I feel like if it's a unique enough word, they're going to, they're going to know that's the keyword. And I, I want phrases that they're not sure on which one it's going to be. And they need to make the connection to be able to, say, oh yeah, that one fits. Okay. Or, or with enough answers, they can get the theme, but I don't want, I don't want sore thumbs sticking out and them saying, oh, it's definitely this one. <laughs> yeah. Some that obviously says, look at me, I'm the clue. Yeah. <laughs> or the opposite where teams get the theme just off of one question. Yeah. Yeah. I, hate that. I do not want that. I, I had teams, I have teams in my live plays that were like, oh, we got it after two, two questions and we, we figured out the theme. And so I started reversing the difficulty and the, the harder ones at the beginning. So you might not get the answer or even if you do get the answer, it's, it's, extremely hard to figure out what the theme is just based on one or two answers. So I want I want you to wait till the the la- the end of the round and make you go backwards. Definitely agree with you there. Put the obscure ones or the hard ones near the beginning so that they don't have anything so they at least pay attention to the rest of the question. <laughs> so you said that's right. round 2 for you, right? Yeah, that's my second yeah. round. Okay. The the issue is with reversing the difficulty is if you're trying to read the room and it's silent and they're like, these questions are extremely too hard, these first two or three, and, and the room is just hating you, you can feel that in the, in the atmosphere. And then as the round goes on further and further, they're like, okay, we got a few answers. Oh, we know the theme. Oh, these first three, we can start brainstorming words for these. Oh, okay, that fits. But but the beginning, it, it can be stressful when the whole room is silent and, sent, and just feels mad at you. So I too, I'm a big fan of Rhyme Zone. Uh, but on a, a common bond or a mystery theme round, I typically start with Wikipedia. Uh, whatever my subject, assuming it's, you know, a uh, singular subject as opposed to something widespread like, you know, baseball team names or whatever. I like to study up on it and just look for words that kind of jump out to me that I know I can go another direction with. Yeah. Wikipedia is also really good for like the, I don't know if there's a technical name for the specific pages where it's like list of these things. It's like list of animated shows produced in the US and it's uh, an alphabetized list of fucking every animated show ever and yeah. the, all the links to their appropriate pages and stuff. They have those for so many different topics too. And that's, I've found those lists helpful in seeing if a theme has legs or not like can i do one about cartoons like can i make cartoons a hidden theme in some fashion um so that's super helpful for that yeah i found that my inspiration for the theme usually comes from random places right it would just be like going about my daily routine and then i might hear someone talking about oh wow you're going through the five stages of or you're going through like the five stages of grief or i forget what the main word is i'm like oh you just said five stages and then i'm like okay i'll jot that down and then revisit you later yeah seven deadly sins that, or whatever it is exactly i find that online resources like rhyme zone or wikipedia or j archive which for all the listeners out there is a archive of old jeopardy questions uh that's good for finding the phrases that i want for the answers so i have this like I usually first come up with the theme and I just write down the, the answers in it. And like I said, that inspiration comes from everywhere. And then the real research is where I'm clicking through web pages. That's on Wikipedia, RhymeZone, other internet sites. And that's those are the tools that I need to 
find possible answers. And Jeff, I don't know if you know, there's a Wikipedia page for lists of lists. (laughs) (laughs) They have a whole page for lists of things, and it's just a list of of all the different types of lists, like you're talking about types of cartoons or whatever it is. This is like Christmas. This is like a Christmas gift. See, this is why you're the better Jeff, the new and improved better Jeff. I take back everything I said at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) They also have um, the the Wikipedia disambiguation page are really helpful for finding other topics with the same answer. I don't know if that makes sense. So they give you um, the three, all the different uses of that phrase and if it could be in last names or... Oh, the <clears throat> the thing up at the top where it's like, uh, this is the page for this. If you are talking about the more general term, click here. And it says yeah. how it's used in arts and literature, sports teams, you know. Yeah. That's the page you're talking about, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Those are fun sources as well. So Wikipedia has a bunch of different answers. Do you guys have any internal rules or like things that you try to avoid when selecting from answers. And I can give you just one example that I think we could all kind of agree on is if we're writing a question where the hidden theme is baseball teams, you're not allowed to use what baseball team did blah, blah, blah as a question, right? Like the theme can't be present in one of your questions. Do you guys have any like other rules that you stick to when doing hidden themes? My only real rule that I've been using recently is I try to stick to, like we were talking about before, the types of hidden themes. I try to stick to sets of things as opposed to wordplay, because I used to do wordplay all the time, like uh, like the other Jeff was saying, words that fit along with ball, or one notoriously bad example, I had one where it was 10 questions where all of a part of the answers could be paired with the word I in some fashion, but some of them were as easy as bullseye and some of them were like eye of a hurricane. So the the whole phrase was you're adding a bunch of extra words and it just got really sloppy. So I stopped doing that style theme and now I abide by Calvin's. These are all things that are examples of one thing. That's, that's really my only rule. Well, that and then I try not to if the theme is baseball teams, I wouldn't ask a question about baseball. Just like you said, like you don't want to give away the theme with, with a, with a question that directly references the theme. Yeah. I think all of my rules are pretty well covered. Um, the other one, which, which again was covered earlier was, uh, not having an answer that can only be connected to the theme. My only other general rule, I guess for a round is I try and, hit 10 different categories in a round. So I don't want to ask four questions about movie titles, even though it's the easiest place to get a theme to fit the keyword is in movie titles um, or or uh, song titles as well. But I try and hit all different categories in my rounds. That way it's not leaning towards one person's specialty or not too much. And, and you need a whole team to figure out the theme. That's a really good point. And I also try to mix it up especially only with five questions. You you don't want them all to be about one topic. And one rule that I also kind of have for myself, it's really minor and doesn't come up all too much. But if, for example, the theme is people, I don't want to ask questions where they're all about different people. And then like, I want to like at least mix it up where the answers are like, okay, this is going to be either a place or some work of entertainment. 
it shouldn't just the answers shouldn't all have something super in common because it's important that the kind of the keyword isn't too similar to the theme hidden or sorry the answer to the theme yeah so i was i was i just did one uh, a couple weeks ago it was nfl players in the hall of fame and if you just name a bunch of people with similar names it's it's just going to be obvious that these are all just different people so i try and fit in answers that are not people's names like blue moon for warren moon or um time warner yeah time warner montana yep so time warner for kurt warner or fine young cannibals for young and they're not names of people where then it just becomes a list of people people who also have those names well, I want to go back to something that uh, Calvin said. Calvin, you mentioned that you don't like to have five questions all about one topic in uh, in your hidden theme rounds. But that's exactly what we're going to do right now. We're going to have four <laughs> questions about one topic because it is time for our keyword challenge. So give me a second to queue up our, our keyword challenge music. Chicka chicka boo chicka keyword. Is this is this where we just play Jason saying? <laughs> no, this is just we all. <laughs> oh no, yeah, that's we. The... I'm trying a new thing. We'll see if it works. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, nah, keyword challenge. If if you're listening to episode 11 and have never listened to any other episodes, then fucking whatever. Like that's what makes you happy. Uh, but we do a keyword <laughs> challenge every week where we take one word uh, given to us by a listener and we all write a question about that topic. And I have today's keyword right in front of me. This keyword is coming from Nicole, who also provided us with a keyword on our very first episode. Today, you're going to be writing a question about gallium. 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 Yep. The chemical element with the atomic number of 31, gallium. We're going to take 10 minutes here. We'll be right back with our questions for you. Bye. Hey, everyone. Jason here. While the host and I step away to think about our keyword challenge, we just wanted to remind you that you can check us out online at QuadriviaPod on Twitter. On Facebook, just search for Quadrivia Podcast. And you can always email us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear from you. And now, back to the show. And we are back. Uh, I hope you didn't get bored in that 10 seconds that that have passed (laughs) for you. Uh, assuming you're still here, still listening to us, we're going to share with you our keyword challenge questions. Just a reminder, the keyword was gallium, which came to us from Nicole. Uh, Nicole, having shared a keyword with us on the first episode of Quadrivia. If you would like to submit some keyword possibilities, make sure you send them to quadriviapod at gmail.com. Uh, Jeff, since you, Jeff C, since you are, uh, new here, why don't you start the show? Show us what you can do. Okay. Uh, so the question I came up with was, 
Which two elements, numbers 31 and 32 on the periodic table, are both named after countries in Europe that also border each other? Well, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I know what number 31 is. <laughs> but... I also know what 32 <laughs> is because it's part of my question. All right, well then how about I answer 31 and you answer 32? Sure thing. All right, I'm pretty sure one of them is gallium. That's correct. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's what right. I used. No, the, <laughs> the other one is uh, germanium. Correct. Yep. G gallium named uh, Latin for France and germanium is named after Germany. Just curious. I know there's also francium. Is that just some way that's, a, that's other? It's another element number? named after France. Yeah, but it's it's yeah. it's in a like different way area. Way off. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, that was a good one. Thank you. Calvin, what do you got? I'm up next. Also to do with country names, what metallic element was discovered in 1875 by Paul Lecoq, who cheekily named the element after the Latin word that refers to both his home country as well as his last name? Oh, I really like that question, but I don't know the answer. <laughs> mm. it's, all, it's half of the answer of Jeff's question. Oh, got it. Germanium. <laughs> Perfect. So yes, the answer is gallium, and that was from the Latin word or Latin root gall, or gallus, which refers to old France, but also the name of a rooster that I guess is of French origin. So gallus is Latin for rooster. Lecoq is French for rooster. Uh, and I think that that just uh, really demonstrates how even when two different writers are basically asking the same question, you can still do it in a very different way. And I love that we have the keyword challenge here to help uh, demonstrate that. So the rooster is the uh, logo of the French national soccer team too. I'm, I'm trying really hard not to say anything. <laughs> I, think, I think we can move on to our next question before anyone succumbs to the pressure. Uh, Jeff, what do you got? All right, so uh, I was planning on doing almost the same question as Calvin. I'm glad that I foresaw that being an issue and avoided it. <clears throat> uh, so instead, I wrote a sports question, kind of. <laughs> Oddly as that sounds. So here's my question. Appearing after zinc and before germanium on the periodic table, what is the atomic number of gallium? If you aren't a chemistry nerd... The answer is one more than the number of NBA teams, one less than the number of NFL teams, and equal to the number of NHL teams for the 2021 season. All right. So what I wanted to do with this is take it in a totally different direction because gallium really ties you to the element. It's going to be really hard to get outside of the box. So. I tried to break down like what's the most essential part of this. It could be the name, or I tried to find other numbers that fit with it, uh, and ended up just going with uh, the atomic number, which, as Corey mentioned earlier, is 31. And since it's fairly newsworthy uh, for people who are fans of reading sports tickers, that oh my uh, god, <laughs> I will never move beyond that. Yeah, it's just fun. Uh, <laughs> Seattle is getting a new NHL team this year, which bumps the number of NHL teams from 30 to 31. Um, or if you're a fan of the NBA uh, or the NFL, you could do the math and go either way from that. But I figured that that would be 
an interesting way to ask a very hard chemistry question that a chemistry nerd would be like, oh, it's 31, duh. Uh, that people that aren't super into the periodic table would still be able to get by going a totally different direction. Well, it's, it's good to have multiple uh, doors or multiple routes to an answer. Uh, and this keyword makes it really difficult to do that. So uh, yeah. basically your only chance is to really just take like that hard right turn like you did. Uh, but it works. Yeah. So. Yep. I did the same thing. I tried to make it a geography based question as well as, as science. Yeah. yeah. But uh, just just to go back, Seattle is the 32nd team this this year, whereas Las Vegas was the 31st team. Oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. That's you're right. Because it's 31 for this year's season and Seattle's is the upcoming one. So I, I guess I have to reword what I said after that. But Well, we can we in, in the keyword challenge, we will update it. Because part of being a trivia host is constantly uh, doing the fact checking. And... No, it's still, it's still, the question is still accurate. I just yeah. misspoke when I said that Seattle was the new team that made it 31. Oh, so Seattle, Seattle makes it 32. Is Seattle not going to be the in the 2021 season, though? No, it's the upcoming season after that. 21-22 okay. is Seattle. Got it. Okay. So it's just a misspeaking by me. I'm sorry. Go ahead, That's Corey. all right. We still love you. Uh, all I was going to do was read my question. So nothing, <laughs> nothing special here. Let's hear it. Uh, one of the post-transition metals on Mendeleev's periodic table of elements... Gallium is popular in science class due to the fact that it's shiny like silver and it melts in your hands. Which famous Russian chemist first predicted its existence four years before it was discovered and isolated? Oh, is this a is this a douchey trick question, Corey? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, I would I would assume well, <laughs> that it is Dmitry Mendeleev. The man who predicted almost every single element <laughs> on his table. It is. I figure if I can't do anything else, I might as well go DTQ. <laughs> but DTQs are always a fun way to make sure your teams are paying attention to the question. Exactly. So, Corey, where would people go if they wanted to vote on these questions as to which they think is the bestest? Uh, well, if somebody would like to uh, vote on my question as the winner <laughs> of the keyword challenge, then they would go to quadriviapodcast.com. That was a lovely question about post-transition metals, but I think it's time to transition <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> into our set of questions. I think uh, from our brand new guest, Jeff. Calvin, definitely MVP on this episode. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jeff, take it away. So I've got a set of 10 questions here, and all 10 answers will have something in common. Uh, once you figure that out, you can use that connection to go back and uh, try and help you out, rule out, or confirm previous answers. Uh, so let's get started with question number one. At last year's Academy Awards, the 2018 film Roma was nominated in 10 categories. This tied what movie, released in 2000, for the record of most nominations for a non-English language film? I've got a, an answer right off the bat, but I can't remember if it was 2000. Uh, it was a Del Toro movie. Pan's Labyrinth? 
Wait, was that two, was that two thousand? No, it was after. It was like two thousand five or six. I thought. I mean, I I do feel like it was later. I just that was the first one that popped into mind as you know a very well received non English movie. The other one I was thinking of was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which oh. I think came out before it. I just don't know if it was two thousand or two thousand one. That sounds that right in be terms too. of timeline, and also right because that was. Um, I remember that one being kind of big news at the time for for garnering a bunch of nominations because it was like the first big, or I shouldn't say first big, but the first kind of uh, movie that used like the wire effects and and that type of of cinema stuff that kind of went over in America as well as it did. Uh, I guess Jeff, we should probably ask you: Are we answering all ten, or are we doing one at a time? Yeah, you guys should answer all 10 and try and figure out the theme as you go along. All right, so let's do question two. In World War II, Germany was a member of the Axis powers, but what name was used to refer to Germany and its affiliated nations during World War I? Uh, I, I if I remember correctly, um, well, I, I'm not, I don't want to say it out loud, but if I remember correctly, in World War I, the Allies were the Allied nations in World War I and the Allies in World War II, uh, and then in World War One, it was the Central Powers. I'm almost positive it was the Axis in World War Two and the Central Powers in World War One. So let's tentatively put down Central Powers. All right. Question number three: In the board game Trivial Pursuit, what is the full name for the category associated with the Green Wedge? So, Green. I'm pretty sure is science, right? But there's got to be more to it. You know, I was never a big Trivial Pursuit player. I just know there's a lot of blank and blanks. They're like genres that get... Yeah, it's it's more than that. I've, I've always... I'm trying to think of the last time that I played like straight up regular Trivial Pursuit. Um, and I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure science or what I consider science is green. But I'm trying to remember if it's like science and technology or science and nature, or science and something else. Well, we got seven more questions. How about we uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's put true. a pin in that one? And we do know that he likes to have those multiple word answers with the more difficult ones up front. So. I'm, just, I'm just putting science and blank. Okay. All right, question number four. What American record label was founded in 1992 by Suge Knight and Dr. Dre that included albums released by Snoop Dogg and Tupac? Oh, I, I know this one lights out. Yeah, Suge Knight's record label is Death Row Records. All right, well, let's go to question number five. What communist leader did the United States attempt to overthrow in the 1961 Bay of Pigs invasion? I feel pretty good about this one. <laughs> yeah, also pretty sure. Castro? Fidel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, question number six. Having been used over a hundred times since its passage, the Antiquities Act of 1906 gives the President of the United States the authority to create what federally protected area? Now, Calvin, didn't you ask something like this in uh, a round think, that you hosted on here? Was that you? I think the answer has to do with that. Okay. I think the answer is very has to do with that topic, but... 1906, that president, I think, was Teddy Roosevelt-ish, or if not, very close. <laughs> yeah, it, I I am pretty sure that it's 
uh, national park or national monument or something because uh, Teddy Roosevelt was the first and or the he was the first president to distinct or I don't know the right word. But yeah, uh, I, I'm, I think yeah. you're right. I'm pretty sure it's national parks. Yeah, maybe it's, monuments. To me it's just whether it's park or monument, because I know Devil's Tower was the first monument, but it yeah. was not the first national park. Yes, that's the question that I've asked before. Yeah, early for national parks, but I have done national park slash monument, so we're going to work with all three words. <laughs> all right, question number seven: What television show that aired on the CW network? Starred Blake Lively as Serena Vander Woodson. Ooh. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I know this one. Oh, I do. I not have at all. no idea. Absolutely. Yeah, clueless here. She was. I think uh, that was Gossip Girl. Okay. I think it's Gossip Girl. I hope it's Gossip Girl. I don't have anyone else backing <laughs> me up with this one. Was Gossip Girl on the CW though? Yeah, uh, huh. I think Blake Lively did the outro. Right? She would always. Was that the one? Do any of you know anything about Gossip nope. Girl or all my questions just going to be? <laughs> I know it's a show. I know Netflix. it was popular. I always assumed it was on a bigger network based on like how many people liked it. But Yeah, the only the only thing that I know about it is uh, might be considered a spoiler. So I, I'm not I just know who the Gossip Girl, <laughs> quote unquote, the Gossip Girl is that might give it away. Anyway, oh, but that's that's all I know I about the show a, at all. It's like a. And I don't even know how old it is. I, I'm pretty sure it's Gossip Girl. Okay. I trust you. All right. Question number eight. The four Grand Slam major tennis events are played on three different types of surfaces. Which type of surface are the Wimbledon championships played on? Uh, if I remember correctly, um, French is on clay. The American and Australian are on regular surface and i think wimbledon is grass i think so too and question number nine by mass oxygen is the most abundant element in the earth's crust what is the second most abundant element in the earth's crust in crust by weight i guess would be by yeah by mass sorry it says right there by mass i think it's something strange because i remember it's like found in a lot of um compounds but it's not actually found in its raw form i'm just gonna throw aluminum out there yeah oh i, th- I think that might be the most abundant metal but oh, i don't yeah. I, that's but true I, that seems too specific for element yeah carbon nitrogen carbon carbons well that's probably well i'm trying to think of what would be in the most common compounds i, th- I carbon is up there carbon is a good guess for me or at least that's i I know we're not going to spend a bunch of a bunch of time going through all the elements and be like how much gallium is in the earth's crust (laughs) (laughs) Uh, jeff this this is a this is a single answer question though i know but it's it's towards the end so was okay okay so you have some wiggle room for your answers too yeah yeah all right well let's let's do number 10 let's i'm gonna put carbon with a question mark okay all right let's do number 10 on Star Trek The Next Generation, what is the name of the character played by LeVar Burton throughout all seven seasons? Okay, I know this yeah. One. 100% on this one. Yeah. So easier questions towards the back end, tougher questions towards the beginning. This is, a, this is probably like a medium overall difficulty. 
It's not it's not a hard one. But we, we'll see if you figure out the theme. For number 11 is what is the connection between yeah. the previous 10 answers? We should say what the answer to number 10 is. Oh, yeah. Jo- uh, it's Jordy <laughs> yeah. LaForge. All right. I'm going to go back and recap. Question number one was the uh, non-English film leaning towards Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon on there. Yeah. Uh, crouching kind of jumps out. Uh, number two, Germany, Axis Powers. Uh, I liked Jeff's Central. I think Central is right. Yeah. Uh, Trivial Pursuit. We were leaning towards science and something. I, I'm i I'm pretty sure it's science and nature, but it could be science and technology. Uh, that's, I, I'm pretty sure it's nature. Okay. After that, we've got the record label, and we've got a 100% lock on Death Row. Yeah, no question there. Uh, communist leader, definitely Fidel. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Antiquities Act, either national parks or monuments we're leaning towards? I think it's monuments. I think it's national monuments. Okay. 1906 is too early for national parks. Uh, television show leaning towards Gossip Girl. I... I'm very confident it's Gossip Girl. I, I think you're definitely seeing a theme then. <laughs> um, Grand Slam, uh, we're leaning towards grass. Does that fit with yeah. what you're thinking? I'm 99% sure Wimbledon's played on grass. And then the Earth's crust, we have, we're pretty unsure, leaning towards carbon. And Star Trek, Star Trek we've got Jordy LaForge. Calvin, with your... With your backwards knowledge, any thoughts on what the element might be? Can you think of something uh, that might fit the theme that you're thinking of? So before that, let's all figure out the theme. So the ones I'm locking in are, are on Death Row and Fidel Castro. So Fidel Castro to me seems like one of the like that was an entry point for me because I don't think Fidel works nicely with everything. So that just leaves Castro. Uh, I yeah, I <laughs> I think I got I think I. I think I'm with you. Sounds like Corey is the only one that doesn't know what it is. No, I well, I mean, seeing that, I, I can go back and, and uh, apply it to everything else, but I still don't understand the Fidel Castro one. So, Jeff... Because I think this one's... Uh, I think you got to be from uh, California to know that one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I think number 10 is a more general entry point. So, number 10, which, okay... I'm, I didn't actually know the answer to this, so I'll confess. I don't know Star Trek. But it was, <laughs> was it LaForge? George? Jordy LaForge. Jordy LaForge. Yeah. La so Jordy or Forge. I, clued, I I assumed it was Forge. So I think Forge pairing with a word. Yeah. yeah so, the, so then the would we change the one before it to silicone? Yeah, silicone. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So should we... Should we say what the theme is? Jeff is the one that threw it in chat. Jeff, why don't you go ahead and share it? So I didn't, I can't match this with all of them. Like uh, I'm not aware of the Castro connection, Uh, but I took uh, Hidden um, Death from Death Row Records, uh, Girl from Gossip Girl and Forge. And I had uh, Hidden Valley, uh, Death Valley, uh, Valley Girl and Valley Forge, and then I went backwards and was like, "Oh, that works with Silicon Valley." Okay, so that leaves uh, number six, National Monument. Monument Valley is a mobile game, so that's locked in. Castro Valley's locked in, 
And uh, uh, for grass. the Trivial Pursuit, you said it was science and nature. That's what I'm. That's what I'm assuming. Nature that's Valley. It, nature Nature Valley. Uh, that's my the granola favorite bar. Messy granola bar. So Grass <laughs> Valley, though, if we go back to tennis. Yeah. So I think eight and two are the only ones we don't. Oh, Central yeah, Valley. Central Valley. Central Powers. Yeah. Central Power. Central Powers is locked in there. Yeah, and that just leaves eight, which I'm not too sure about, which is Grass Valley, Valley Grass, Grass Valley. I mean, what are our other options? Clay, Clay Valley, Valley Clay. Valley. Clay. And uh, I can't remember what's art- yeah. artificial, <laughs> artificial valley. <laughs> what is the the name of like just the regular? I mean, if we only got everything except that one, I'd be okay with it. Should we just say Grass Valley, and we just don't know what Grass Valley is or Valley Grass? Yeah, I'm okay I'm, with that. I'm, really confident on Wimbledon being playing on grass. I've asked that question like three times, I think. Yeah, that, that <laughs> okay, feels Jeff. right. I just don't know what the connection is. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so the the overall theme is uh, Valley, and you do have grass, correct, for number eight. Grass Valley is a city in California. Might be oh. a local a local twist, but... Like Castro uh, Valley? Valley. <laughs> Castro, Castro Valley as Silicon Valley as well, but that one's a little more well-known. But... I like that because I, I think uh, asking slightly local questions is a good move for a lot of trivia hosts. I think it makes people feel good knowing that they know their region. Yeah. So I'm okay with the inclusion of California-specific answers. I am biased because I am also in California. <laughs> but. Yeah. And I think that the other ones, even if the California-specific ones, like I didn't get I wouldn't have made the connection on Grass Valley. I wouldn't have made the connection on Castro Valley. Yeah. But there's enough in the rest of them that I was able to work with. Um, and I think it was, I think it was Hidden Hidden Valley was the was the one that stood out to me. And then I started putting them to the other ones. Uh, Hidden and Death were the first two that I was like, ooh, I think that's it. Yep. And you guys were able to work backwards and come up with uh, National Monument versus National Park. You came up with science and nature, and then you backtracked your silicon, silicon. as well. Yeah. Silicon was the big one. We didn't yeah. even say that when we were discussing. The yeah, answers. I'm kind of surprised that, that that's helped. the second most abundant element in the crust. That that just I'm surprised oxygen is the first. Well, like, silicon's too. in sand. <laughs> yeah, that that's makes true. All sense sand now. in yeah. the world is all silicony. So that was a a really good uh, theme round, a hidden theme round. Yeah, Thank it was you. Really good. Appreciate it. Uh, and with that, I mean, that's our show, everybody. Sure thing. Uh, I've been Jeff B. from the Chicagoland area. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for RMT as in Riddle Me This. I also stream on Twitch at twitch.tv slash RMT Trivia. And I'm Calvin. You can find me at my website, footnotetrivia.com. I host weekly virtual games on Zoom. And I'm the other Jeff, Jeff 2.0, or Jeff C. <laughs> uh, I am also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch, all at Jeff's Trivia, J-E-F-F-S Trivia. Uh, I, I host uh, every Wednesday on Twitch at 7 p.m. Pacific. And I am Corey with Third Degree Entertainment. You can find me on most of the socials at Third Degree. Just, just search Third Degree, find my little... Uh, Theo the Owl logo and everything is good and collectively you can find us all at QuadriviaPod on Twitter QuadriviaPod on Facebook you can email us at QuadriviaPod at gmail.com send us love letters send us keyword suggestions 
send us. I guess that's really all we want. Uh, and make sure you check <laughs> out. Else. Make sure you check you hate out mail as well. No, no, just send that to Jeff. Uh, you can choose which one. Dealer's choice. And make sure you head to quadriviapodcast.com to vote on the keyword challenge and hopefully to uh, start seeing other episode recaps and such. We are uh, planning on making some changes and updates to that website. So check it out and go away. Speaking of sources, awful segue, do we want to get into our keyword challenge for the day, or do we want to ignore the fact that I'm saying this and go back to Thie Brown's for That was minutes? a terrible transition. <laughs> that was worse than my, my attempt earlier. Uh, well, if somebody would like to uh, vote on my question as the winner <laughs> of the keyword challenge, then they would go to quadriviapodcast.com. If, however, they want to vote for anybody else, uh, that's at quadriviabuttface.net. <laughs> we should make sure that that's available and buy it immediately. <laughs> I, I keep starting bits and not knowing where I'm going with them. And it's just really <laughs> falling flat every time. Not, do, not well, doing so well. It's because I'm not drinking that right was, now. Oh. I need to drink. <laughs>